There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Thank you guys for having me. Sorry it took a minute. That's okay. Any like uh, any like plans like in the future? I just freeze up. <laughs> Same. Like the mayor randomly hit me a couple days ago of oh, Seattle okay. and was like, "Yo, I'm a, I'm a fan. Like I'm I would love to like get coffee." I'm like, "Oh, thank you so much for the nice words." Like yada yada and then he was like, "All right, like when are we getting coffee? And I left the mayor on red for like three days. Mm. I and mean, then when I and then when someone reminded me today to circle back, I hit him, and he was like, "Yeah, I was like, I was surprised that you just left the mayor on red." <laughs> he pulled rank on you, <laughs> and that's when I knew we had a real one. Seattle's in good hands. Culture <laughs> operates above politics these days. Yeah. I guess it's just. <laughs> Do you do you like to operate where like people throw a date at you and you're just like be here right now and you can just say yes to it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the move. I mean cuz you know, in the last decade I've had my whole life like scheduled for me. Right, like planned mm-hmm. out. Yes, even like with golf, people are like, "Yo, like do you want to play this week?" and I'm like, "When?" I have no I I can't. I I don't know. I don't know what right. you legitimately like. don't know. I right. don't know. Like I'm bad at it. It's it's a it's a character defect. I'm trying to get better. It drives the people in my life nuts. Um, I maintain real quick that like that golf is the thing that made me be on time for the first time in my life. Oh yeah, because like if you if you're late for your tea time, your tea time's gone. Oh, hundred percent. And when people hit me and they're like, "Yo, I'm gonna be late," I'm like, "What?" Like, do you know what it took for me to get here on time? Mm. <laughs> like, my brother that, just yeah. did this. Like, we had a we had a tea time the other day, and he hit me like, "Yo, I'm gonna be 20 minutes." Late. I was like, "Yo, I I cussed out the dog." Like, <laughs> my my kids have seen a whole new side of me because of the fact that I wanted to be on time, and you're gonna be late for a tea time? How? That's sacred. It's sacred, <laughs> and we might not get to golf now. Right. And when you show up to a tea time 20 minutes late, you know, your partner's on hold two and you're getting there all flustered and you're like, all right, yeah. I'll ju- you've, you've missed a whole ninth of the experience. Yes. I drop one in the fairway and it's like, it's not the <laughs> right. same. Not the same at all. Yeah. 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 You can't post that score. Definitely not. You can't. It's not going, yeah. it's not going towards anything. <laughs> um, so for, first question for you is, is requires less of an answer and more of a reaction. So I'm going to set the scene for you real quick. 2012, I'm at Lewis and Clark College. Mm. I'm a freshman in Portland, Oregon. Mm. I'm not sure if you remember, but that's the same year thereabouts that Thrift Shop came out. Mm. Big, big year for, for Ben Haggerty. This is true. Halloween comes around. Me, a, a a pasty white kid with blonde hair and some Irish jeans, thinks. Come on, I got to pull something together, fellas. I just want you to look at this real quick, and I just I need thoughts. Damn. I mean, from from this angle, uh, you know, you could tell you pulled that shit together last minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you could tell. Uh, you know, the gym wasn't like an everyday thing for you. 
which I no. respect, and it wasn't for me, so that's accurate. Um, but you know, you killed it. You know, you're in there. Wow. You have no idea how how happy that just made a couple of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's validation. And us. Lewis and Clark, man. Yep, I did a, a mini mini show with Lewis and Clark. Really? Probably before you were there. Yep. Probably. What What was the uh, What was your impression of? I mean, you know, I mean, growing up in Seattle, being in Seattle, like you know Portland pretty well at this point, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like, what's your What's your impression of? that city and that school in particular when you when you went there lewis and clark is dope because um i don't it's kind of like in the woods and shit it's like up in the it looks like hogwarts yeah it's right like, yeah yeah i don't i've done a couple shows there there was definitely like some really makeshift shows early on um you know a mutual friend went to school there so it was always like the plug like yo we know someone that goes to school here and they got 500 bucks from their student union and if you guys drive down here you can pay for the gas money and make 200. You know, it was like that type of thing. <laughs> Damn, so you were right. grinding early. Oh, I was grinding early. Early, early. I mean, yeah, for fucking longer than I made it at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, I was underground rapper forever. And um, yeah, so the Lewis and Clark thing was, uh, it was great. I feel like I, I made out with a girl like on a car in the parking lot <laughs> after one of the shows, which was On like, a car. On the car, car. you know, just like a quick little makeout sesh, like, and then I like vanished into the night, you know, I probably had another girlfriend at the time, but I was just like, you know, (laughs) pulled a quick one and rationalized it, just made out quickly. (laughs) Slinked away into the night. It was, yeah, it was great. Love that. Wow. (laughs) Well, let's talk some golf then, I guess. (laughs) Let's Let's start the show. (laughs) What are some things that you've learned about yourself since you picked up the game of golf? I, I mean, I think it's constantly teaching me shit. You know, it's kind of like life keeps presenting the same challenges in different in different shapes and forms. And you're like, oh, yes, this thing that I've been battling with for the last like two weeks. Like, I remember that this is the same thing that I was going through two years ago. Golf is very much like that. Um And I think I mean, the biggest and probably the most cliche answer is that golf has taught me acceptance. And I think that there are so many parallels with with life and um, just kind of the cards you were dealt. It's like that shitty lie, that fucking green and red that you finally hit. But, you know, it was a false front. And now the ball is trickling off. And, you know, you really you finally hit the green and red that you've been looking for all all day. And now it's going to do this to me. And now I'm going to blade the fucking the the wedge over the green into the bunker. And then I'm going to knock it out of the bunker and now I'm getting a triple. Mm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm. That's life. That is a reflection of life. That happens. Then you also hit the like crazy kind of half shank that somehow ends up on the green. And you're like, all right, we're going to take that shit. That's life too. And regardless, you have to play the ball where it lies. Or if you're playing in the Northwest, you get winter rules. <laughs> year long winter rules but really it's the like you it's accepting life's life on life's terms you have to play the ball where it lies and sometimes like it's not where you want to be most of the time it's not where you want to be but you still got to hit that shit and you still got to keep grinding and i just yeah i mean it teaches me shit every time i play and it's also being content with the journey like i am not going to ever figure out the game of golf no one is going to figure out the game of golf i have like little things like 
Right now, I'm really trying to like work on closing the fucking club base on my take back and not being, you know, wide open. Like, that's what I'm working on right now. If I try to take on too much, all of a sudden I forget my natural athletic ability to hit a golf ball Mm -hmm. and I'm in my head. It's like, that's applicable to music. That's applicable to parenting. That's applicable to anything that I'm going through. It's right there in the golf course at any given moment. And I just have to accept it and move on and, and, and keep showing up. What percentage of the rounds that you play now, do you think that that is at the, the tip of the tongue or, or, or top of mind for you versus the rounds where you're just out there for vibes? I'm trying to get better. I'm a, I'm trying to get better golfer. So like mm-hmm. I see so low key grinding right now. Every I'm, I'm grinding every time. And I usually, I, I play by myself more than anything else. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not like, like, I, I love to play social golf. I love to go out with the homies and shit. But like, I got three kids and a dog and I'm trying to finish an album. So like, I go out when I can. And, you know, like this week, I've gone out a couple times. I play, I played like five holes. I played nine holes. Um, you know, I hit five iron last night. I'm just trying to get it in where I can. So it's it's much less about like, yo, let's go out with the homies and, and play for, for five hours. It's much more like mm-hmm. in this duration of time that I have allotted for my mental health, because it is mental health. <laughs> you know, we're talking about therapy. Mm-hmm. It is mental health. It, it, it gives me some sort of peace to be outside on that golf course, focusing on that golf ball. Um, I'm trying to get better. I'm, I'm always working on something, probably to a fault. Yeah, you said that, you know, golf is unsolvable, it's ungettable. So what, and I'm not disagreeing with you, I guess it's a devil's advocate question, but like, (laughs) if you can't solve it, what's the point of getting better? What's the goal? What's the end? What's the, or is it the process? I think it's the process. I think that it's getting more consistent. It's being able to step up to the T and being like, I have a general idea where this is going to go and not who fucking knows all bets are off type of golf. And I think that, you know, I've had brief periods of time where for me, you know, being a a 10 and some change handicap playing three years, I've had some brief periods of time where I'm like, I can consistently shoot in the low eighties. And then that goes away. And then you're like, okay, I'm back to fucking 87 right now. And then it's like, Ooh, I touched 91, bro. What is happening? And I need to get Mm -hmm. back out there and figure this out. And and that pursuit is so addictive. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm an addict, mm-hmm. like I'm a fucking addict for anything. But like that pursuit of of getting better, of making progress and getting consistent. And I think it's probably like anything. It's like, you know, motherfuckers that start making money for the first time in their lives, people are like, Oh, if I just had like a million dollars, like I'd be straight and content and happy. And you're like, Yeah, make a million dollars. And then tell me you don't want to make two. You know, and then tell me you don't want <laughs> tell me you don't wonder what five feels like. And it's like that type of thing um, is contagious. It's it's what keeps like people that are worth billions of dollars still in the game. They're like hungry for that pursuit of success. Um, I don't have it as much with money. I, I would much, you know, I have it much more with like I can. Um, I can get better at this game if I just if I can just close the club face, if I can just get off my back foot, if I can just, you know, you know, 
keep thinking. So, you know, less swing thoughts, you know, be present. It's, it's nonstop checklist that I'm trying to like dwindle down to just a single, like, you know, just swing the club, just hold your finish. And I'm not there yet. And I want to get there because it looks fun. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Holding, holding, a. Holding the finish on a like a pure iron strike is like what? No, what a look. Nothing better. What a look. That's what the tiger right? toe? Are you that's kidding what the me? tour logo is it, that's what it is. Yep. Right. That's mm, that's like uh Sanaa Lathan holding the holding the three point shot <laughs> level basketball. Cookie jar. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can stare at that all day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Man, um, I, I walk by this. I, I live in uh, an area of LA where it's like, it's pretty artsy. And um, there's this huge mural of Virgil Abloh. And the quote beside it says, everything I do today is for the 17-year-old version of myself. Mm-hmm. And as we know, like, he's one of the most creative people that we've ever been graced with. And Mm -hmm. as a creative person yourself, I wonder what 17 year old, we usually say this question, you know, toward the end of the, the conversation, but I, I just, I love the time travel. I love Mm -hmm. the walk with the Mm -hmm. former self, the younger self. Do you think 17 year old Ben was into golf and what was 17 year old Ben into? Malt liquor. Mm. <laughs> a lot of malt liquor. Um, I, a lot of the same shit, to be honest. I mean, like I was rapping. I I wanted to be a rapper. I um, no golf, no golf, golf clothes. Um, but it's actually kind of where you know getting into the the name. I used to go i mean i hate to tell i can't believe i even started telling the story but because it's just cliche on every level but i used to go to thrift shops i was like staying out in new york for the summer going to a, a art school program at pratt and um and i would go to thrift shops and i would get like old plaids and tartans and i would put them on and go out and drink malt liquor in in brooklyn and you know best summer ever. Fantastic time. Um, a lot of regrets as well, but, um, and in, in that costume, in this like plaid tartan costume, these old like vintage golf clothes is where I started calling myself professor Macklemore. And that was like the, the alias and eventually Mm -hmm. dropped the professor. And then when, you know, the rap career kind of started, I just kept the, the name with so many syllables that no one can pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, the 17, I I like the 17 year old, you know, thought to the, the walk with the 17 year old. And, um, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to rap. So like the 17 year old would be, would be pumped right now. I mean, I don't know if that was exactly the question, but like, that's normally that question of like, I would be surprised as hell that I was golfing. Although I did, there was like a brief period in like the Tiger heyday, like 97, um, where we were playing like the par three course for one summer. I wasn't like obsessed, but like we definitely hit that. So like 
it might not have seemed like so crazy that I got into golf later in life, but um, mm. definitely not like the the way that it is now. And to take that question a step further, I mean, like if you if you could, and this is like the question that we ask a lot of folks is, if you could play a round of golf with seventeen year old Ben, what would the conversation look like? What do you think you would talk to each other about? Not not necessarily advice, but just damn that's so that's so like meta in this weird way because i think there's part of me that like still really identifies with the 17 year old that i was like i still have the same struggles like i i was i didn't know it at the time but i was i was an addict i was an alcoholic like and i think that um and i was really struggling in that era and i didn't know it and it was actually at in in brooklyn at fucking Pratt Art Institute that at the very end, the last day, um, you know, one of the kids that was there was like addicted. He was from Houston. He was sipping lean and gang banging and, and, and everything. And I remember telling him like, yo, you got to chill on that lean. Like, you know, that's going to get you or whatever. He's like, bro, the lean, you're an alcoholic. Mm. And it was the first time in my life that anyone had said that to me. And, Whoa. um, mm that shit hit because I didn't, I barely did any art. I had to make up like a lie to my parents that like my art got ruined from like a fucking air conditioner or yeah, air conditioning vent or something. I made up some crazy lie. And anyway, it was that moment of the first real moment in my life of like, damn, I missed out on an experience because of drugs and alcohol. And this was mm -hmm. such a dope opportunity to be creative in, in New York in the summer. And I, fucked it up I tricked it off and um hmm. and him telling me that so um I I feel like I would talk to I would have that conversation because that led to so much pain for the next like damn near decade hmm. um that you know and, and it's not that like it, it would necessarily be advice or maybe it would but like I think that there would be parts of parts of that that are like and i was i was seeking the truth i didn't want to be doing it but i was caught up in the fucking web already you know i knew that my highest self the best version of me um the best artist the best person the best friend all of the best really came when i was clear-headed and when i was sober so not to go too far wow. into the recovery fucking you know into the recovery talk but um that's always been an issue for me. You know, I never had any mm -hmm. moderation. You know, I was a, I was a blackout drinker, like all, every time I couldn't stop. 17 year old, you wanted to be a rapper. Like that was, that was top of mind. Like that was your, that was your jam. Um, 100%. Do you think 17 year old, uh, uh, late, late thirties, I'm guessing. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 17 year old, you looking at 38 year old, you, do you think he's looking at 38 year old like, damn, we did it. Like, do you, do you ever have that moment where you're like, hell yeah, like 17 year old Ben, we did this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I had it like two hours ago. Yes. Talk, I had it talk two about hours it. ago. Like, yeah. yeah I mean, what, what was that? Well, you know, I was, we were, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> we were in our own Offline. fucking therapy. It's a day of therapy. But no, I mean, like, we were, we were you know, it was, Anyway, um, yeah, I, the ceiling 
you have to think back to like, I mean, seven, I don't know what year it was when I was 17. I don't know. Hip hop was really different. It was like we had the internet, but it wasn't like it is now. You know, like MySpace hadn't popped off yet. Like there's no Facebook, mm-hmm. there's no social media, um, to my knowledge, at least. And if, if there was, I definitely wasn't on it. Um, so like underground rap was a thing. Like, I feel like underground rap now, like you have like SoundCloud and whatnot, but like still you can blow up off SoundCloud really quickly. Like O2 was like Source Magazine, Vibe Magazine still. Yeah, like it was physical. Yeah. It was mm. a physical thing. You like went out to the store to get your double XL or your Vibe yeah. or whatever it was. And, um, you know, motherfuckers are bootlegging albums and selling them like, you know, burning CDs yes, burning and, CDs, you know, yep. and even in, in that era, like you, you might have a computer that burns a CD. It, it, it two speed mm-hmm. it four speed. So like <laughs> it was way different. The ceiling for me as like, as a, as a rapper that wanted to make it was like, yo, um, if I could just get a show, you know, if I could just get a fucking show and then it's like, I got mm-hmm. the show and I'd be like the, the, the ultimate peak, the ceiling for me at that, at that age. And even the next probably five years was like, yo, if I could pay my bills, and tour like 500 cap rooms. I don't even need to sell them out, but that's like the tour. Mm. That is the ultimate ceiling. Like that was like the peak epitome of success in my 17 year old head. So yes, fast forward to, <laughs> to today and I would be fucking ecstatic, ecstatic. I love that. Wow. And I'd probably be like, motherfucker, you got on the radio. You sold out. <laughs> sold out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe can you the first time you heard yourself on the radio. Yeah, I was in um I was in LA and um yeah, we, we had like, I don't know what we were doing, but we had the whole the whole van and full of people. I don't know if we we're on tour or what, but um yeah, Thrift Shot came on the radio and that was that was crazy. That was super crazy. And um, cause I never like looking back on thrift shop, I never thought that that was like, I was like, I'm rapping about fucking used clothing. Like this isn't for, this was, this wasn't a swing. This wasn't like, let me take my mm. fucking pop swing on this one. Mm-hmm. This was like, mm-hmm. you know, this is a random fucking song. It's a niche. A yeah, niche absolutely. Hit. I was mm. like, you know, this is yeah. Very niche. And, um, so all of that started to happen very, or, you know, the video started to go kind of viral um, and then viral and then like alternative radio started to play it. And, um, and I'll never forget. It was like, cause we were distributed. I still am distributed through ADA, which is a subsidiary of Warner. And Warner was like, yo, like this is actually doing something at alternative radio. If you want to, um, you know, put up some bread, like we'll work this song to radio. Like you have to, you have to spend money to get a song to radio. It's definitely like a pay to play type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And my manager hit me, we were in Wisconsin on tour and he hit me and was like, yo, this is like doing really well at alternative radio. And, and now Warner has stepped in and been like, yo, if you put up, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, they will take that song and give it a full campaign at radio. Um, and I was like, whoa. And he's like, I want you to like really think about this right now because 
if this works, this will change your life forever. And mm-hmm. what you're doing right wow. now, like, you know, the whatever it was at the time, like a thousand cat clubs or something, like it will probably never go back to being the same. Like basically like I'm trading in my like underground rapper fucking pass and it's upgrade and it's onto something new. Yes. This I is, mean, that's a full red pill, blue yeah. pill moment. It really was. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Wow. Well said. And it was. And I, and I took whatever pill was like, yep, let's take this motherfucker to radio and spend <laughs> this paper. And, um, wow. The Grammy pill. And yeah. And then it was a couple of months later and I heard that shit on the radio. Yeah. Wow. So now, I mean, with the accolades that you've had and the success that you've had, what does fulfillment look like for you right now? Just about just that word. Like, what does what does it mean for Ben to to be fulfilled right now? I mean, I I love that word because I think we oftentimes misconstrued happiness and fulfillment. And I think that happiness is this fleeting thing that we're always kind of chasing after it's this um you know it's just a way that we gauge whether or not like our life is going well you know if we're happy do we wake up happy do you know does our job make us happy are we going to bed happy and like yo through the course of the day like i'm up and down at any given time, you know, there's moments of stress, there's moments that I'm happy, there's moments where I'm fucking depressed, like whatever, like, and I think that that, I don't know, is just me or if it's just the normal human experience, but um, I do know that happiness comes and goes quickly for humans. I, I love the word fulfillment because it's deeper and it's broader. Fulfillment to me is a, is a spiritual, is a, there's a spiritual con- component to fulfillment where holistically, how am I doing? Am I showing up for my kids? Am I getting quality time? Not just like getting through the day, but am I actually enjoying, um, you know, waking up at seven o'clock in the morning after I was in the studio till two and I'm off multiple nights of four and a half, five hours of sleep. And am I enjoying, uh, you know, breakfast with my kids? Am I really present Mm -hmm. for that? Am I showing up to the studio with love and with like, you know, or fear? Do I have faith or fear going into my day? When I do, when I'm in a place, to answer the question, when I'm in a place of of faith, that I'm right where I'm supposed to be, it's just like golf, that like, I might not know why, you know, I'm under the trees again, but you know what, like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now and I'm going to learn something from it. Am I, am I content with where I'm at and know that like, for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I choose to call my higher power, God, not tied to any religion, but that's the word that I use. Um, if I'm right in, in, in living by God's will and not trying to force shit, that's when I find fulfillment. Mm. When I'm of service to other people, when I show up, when I'm a part of a community, when I realize that this whole thing is so much bigger than me, that I'm just a conduit and let me play my position, whatever position that is, I'm going to run the route, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, that's when I find fulfillment. That's when I feel connected. That's when my purpose feels, um, crystal clear. When I start getting too much in my head, when I start trying to make shit happen, that wasn't meant to happen today. Or, you know, I get back into that place of, oh, what if this doesn't pan out or this dude's a dick or whatever it is trying to control people, places, and things. That's when I get off track and that fulfillment dwindles. 
that's like the true walk of meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's presence. It's you take the good with the bad. You 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 walk the walk no matter what. You're you're showing up as yourself. Um, but also, I mean, I, I hear you. I hear you mentioning, you know, your family. It's really important to you. Um, and uh, as someone that is, uh, you know, highly creative, you know, you've got you've got your your hands in a lot of pots. Um, your family being one of them, you know. Um, how much do you put into what you do as a a parent, as a um, the leader of your family, and into your mm-hmm. Like what? What are you trying to impart onto them as you're walking your own journey as a creative person, as an artist, as a golfer, as Ben? What does impart mean? <laughs> uh, teach. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I, I cheated a lot in school. Same. You're um, <laughs> <laughs> amongst friends here. <laughs> um. Well, definitely my wife is the leader of the fucking family for sure. So I, I play I play a distant, uh, you know, background role. But in terms of like the kids, I mean, I'm I, I'm trying to foster for me, like I'm realizing that I'm not going to be like necessarily the homework dad. Mm. I'm not going to be um, like my, you know, because I cheated a lot in school, like once Sloan hits probably like second grade, like it's a wrap for me on helping her with math. Like I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm done. But and I'm also not just trying to be like the fun dad, like let's go get ice cream. You know, like I'm not trying to be that dude either. I think that um, I want to be an emotional support to them. I want to foster creativity. Um, I want to get them outside. I would, of course, love at least one of my kids to pick up the game of mm. golf. To me, that's like mm. the ultimate goal at this point. <laughs> so like, you know, I got a seven month old son and, you know, I mean, it's, it's really just a finesse to, um, to be able to watch golf channel all day long, <laughs> but like, you know, I'll put him in his little chair and be like, you know, tell everyone in the house that like, I'm doing this because he likes to watch golf, which right. is a straight live. He told me so. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think, you know, I want my kids to be fulfilled. You know, like I want my kids that to find that true um, grounded center and figure out who they really are. And, and I know that that's going to be a journey. And like, um, you know, it's like today it's like my daughter cut her hair, six and a half, almost seven year old daughter cut her cut her hair short. Looks cute. All of a sudden she thought it was cute for like two days. And this morning she's like, yo, can I talk to you? And she's like in front of the mirror and she's like. I hate this. And I'm so mad at myself that I did this. Wow. And she's like banging her chest. I'm like, yo, this is intense. It's like <laughs> fucking 7.30 in the morning. The caffeine hasn't kicked in yet. And I'm like, yo, this is like a moment. Okay, like what, what are we doing here? And I'm like, I think some of the greatest advice is just to like hold that space and be like, yeah, you know, I've been there. Mm. I, I Trust me, I've had some horrible haircuts. I used to go super cuts. Mm. Mm-hmm. None of them motherfuckers mm-hmm. knew how to fade at all. Mm, nope. And um, and I used to come home crying from supercuts. But I'm also like, you know what? And I, you know, I'm I'm not getting tears in my eyes over a fade these days. But like, mm-hmm. you know, a bad fade will will fuck you up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get it firsthand. And one thing that my mom always told me is, it's just hair, and it's gonna grow back. Mm-hmm. 
and you have to get through this little period. You might love it later on today. But the most important thing to me is that we're not just focusing on ourselves Mm. because that is where the misery lies, right? Like me, my hair, my shit. How are people looking at me? Are my friends going to clown the hair? You know, whatever. It's like instilling that, like, let's get outside of self right here because like that self-centered tendency is like, I identify with that, you know? When when I got the bad fade and I got to be on stage, I'm like, damn, like there's gonna be some trash pictures out there on Getty Images. Um, but so I don't, you know, in terms of parting on my kids or whatever that word was, like I'm just trying to um, to hold space, to be creative, to to get in the trenches with them in terms of like, you know, let's let's make art, let's not judge the art, you know, because mm. you watch that judgmental mind mm. develop really early mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, it doesn't look like the picture it doesn't mm-hmm. look like the thing that i'm trying to draw or like and then i'm bad yeah i'm bad mm. i'm not a good artist right and it's like no like that that negative self-talk is what stops people it stalls people from totally from pushing through and it's like i've always said like my mom was one of those moms it was like you know like oh my god ben like you could do anything like look at his picture like isn't he the sweetest like yada yada um, I mean, still, I was just with her like an hour and a half ago and she's still just like, you know, I just tell she's just like, my son's the shit. Like, look at how nice he is. Like, he's good at talking to old people, you know, like whatever. And like and I and I had that sense of confidence from my mom who just gassed me all the time. Mm. And I think that can go two ways. It can present a sense of like false confidence. But for me, it was like I just believed in myself. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't, uh, you know. I've never been the best rapper. I've never been the best artist. I've never been the best video director. I've never been the best photographer, any of that shit. But I believed in the process. I believed in myself. Even at times where I really was garbage and I probably shouldn't have, I still believed in myself. And I think if you can install that in your kids, and it's harder now than it was when I grew up Mm -hmm. in like the 90s, because you have the internet, which is an immediate fucking feedback loop of like you know you get trapped in the like damn like look at what they're doing look at what look at what she did look at what he did like Mm -hmm. i can't do that or like here's my art and then like fucking people are in the comment section like oh it's horrible like you know commit suicide put Mm -hmm. away the pen like or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and like that's a really toxic environment to be any person that's a creative but particularly a young person who's trying to form their creative identity i don't get how you would make it like you have to have such unbelievable thick skin to make it nowadays to to stomach yes. yeah. every single piece of that criticism because the culture has been completely flattened onto a little fucking screen yep. that you can be like no yeah yeah and worse right and way worse right. to to every haiku that you write in the form of a tweet yep yeah i i i wonder how you deal with fear and the prospect of failure and how you define what failure looks like. Something that I'm trying to work on for myself this year is to remove fear of fear. For a long time, I was afraid of fear and putting myself in scary situations. What I'm trying to do this year is put myself in more uncomfortable situations to see what I can produce. Right. And I'm I'm wondering, because you seem like such a confident person, and obviously you said that that was instilled in you from such a young age. 
what fear looks like in you. Is is there that thing that's in the back of your head that's like, don't don't do this, don't do this. The repercussions are enormous. You'll fall off the pedestal, especially being at the height that you are right now. Yeah, I mean, fear is part of the of the process. There's very few people that I could think of. In, in watching that Kanye documentary, I'm like, maybe that motherfucker really never has been afraid. <laughs> but maybe besides him, like, it is a part of the creative process. Like, it just is. And how much, and, and what are you doing to offset that fear that naturally comes up? And um, that's where I think, you know, your question about fulfillment, it ties back into that. Because when I am, when I'm, doing everything that I can to be the best version of me, fear dissipates. When I'm putting in the work to connect to a place of faith, um, the chance of fear seeping in is lessened. And it's not that it doesn't pop up, it does. But fear is insidious. Like fear is one of those things that you're like, you'll live with that motherfucker your whole life and not even know it because it's just constantly part of you. And if you don't quiet the mind, if you don't get to a place of getting centered, if you don't remember like what's important and what's not and have some sort of reset capability, um, people live with fear their entire lives. I mean, I look at so many people that gave up on their passions because they just were a fucking afraid, man. Like they didn't they didn't want to fail. And I think that that's that's a big part of it. Right. And that's and ties back in with parenting, too. No one wants to look like they don't know what they're doing. Right. I think it's it's what prevents like from my wife from trying to play golf. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't you know, mm-hmm. and, and the first time she swung a club, she she piped the driver like 170 down the fairway. And I was like, yo, and then like duff the next three. And she was like, I'm done forever. That's real. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and like and I think that that's that that's like a, a metaphor for life. Again, it's like we're, we're so scared of looking stupid of fucking up, Mm -hmm. of like, you know, doing in front of other people or how we'll be judged. Like, it's another thing about equating this to golf. It's like, yo, in the end, no one really gives a shit what you shot. They are thinking about their own scorecard. Mm -hmm. No one cares. As long as you're keeping up pace of play and not fucking up their experience on the golf course, they don't care what you shot. They are thinking about themselves. Like, we're... You know, and of course, we're obsessed with like celebrity culture and everyone's still talking about like Will Smith smacking (laughs) Chris Rock and all that shit. But like, it's like really at the core of it, like we are all going to die. What we have there, we have a finite question mark. Who knows how long amount of time left on this earth? Why not shoot the shot? You know, you have like the Michael Jordan quotes about like, you know, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take or whatever he said, you know, it's like. Those things like might be commonplace on like inspirational Instagram pages, but like the truth is it's real. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. what do I have to lose? And I think even, you know, trying to finish this album, like, you know, that I'm working on right now, it's like, you know, I'm trying to get a couple features that, um, you know, might be stretches that are hard to get, that are hard to get a hold of the management. And I'm like, yo, I might just have to go get on a plane Mm. and, and, pull up in Atlanta and figure it out. Like the old hustler version of me would have done that. Mm-hmm. Like what's preventing me from doing that That right now? Like my ego, my pride, like my wife's like, go, fuck, go do it. You know how to do it, you've done it before. 
And I think it's those moments that separate the people that are watching from the sidelines and the people that are in the fucking game. Yeah. Fear could be a powerful motivator too. I mean, yeah. Fear, <laughs> fear of not finishing this album could drive you to pull up at thugs crib. <laughs> right. That is who it is too. That's who I it know is. What's up. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, yeah, what's that, up, man? That's who I need. Like, and he, yeah. truth is, well, he'll he'll listen to this and he'll be like, "Oh, yeah. okay, got it." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I did the podcast, right? I appreciate. Yeah. I was like, "This is my way to thug." I yeah, know yeah, it. Yeah. Hikey, he would probably do that shit too. Yeah, I know, but I have to get to him and I have to make that shit happen. We're gonna. I I, I swear to you, right now, we're gonna throw up the fucking bad signal as soon as we're done recording. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. That would be tight if I didn't have to go to. Yeah. I mean, I got family you could stay with too. Like we we got we don't 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 even worry about it, bro. Like. <laughs> How much do you think about death? You brought up our finite time that we have on this earth. How much do you think about that? I think about death a, a, a good amount. It's tough to quantify it. I think that, um, I think specifically as an artist and specifically as an, and this might, you know, I might be off base here, but I think as an artist with a platform, um, but I think for all of us, like, what do you want your, your legacy to be? Um, and what do you want to leave here? And this kind of gets back to like uh, another, you know, how do you spend your time? Like, who are you actually reaching out to? I think it's so easy to get really fucking busy and miss out on the light that's like right in front of you, mm. trying to chase some other shit. And um, I was thinking about it a couple hours ago. Everything was a couple hours ago, but it was. And um, we were talking about service, being of service to others. And um and how it's the quickest route to get outside of yourself is to help somebody else. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like the, the secret to fulfillment that's right in front of us all the time. Yet, like, everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Like, let me keep pursuing on the path of, like, me, 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 mm. um, miserably. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have a, I have a, a friend that just did a, a long bid in, um, in the penitentiary, in the feds. And... Um, I was like, we were talking about, you know, because I've done a lot of work in jails throughout the years. And um, we we're talking about that. And I'm like, fuck, dude, I he's been out for like a minute now and I haven't even gotten lunch with him. Mm. Like. And I've just been busy. Right. But I just been busy. But I did play nine holes yesterday and I did make time for such and such because that was advantageous to, for this deal that was going to yeah. happen or like, you know, yeah. whatever. But I haven't even showed up for the homie that hasn't been home for like eight years. Mm. And, um, and I haven't even thought about him. And that shit scares me kind of, <laughs> you know, that's like, that's like a reality check of like, yo, how, how present are you actually right now? Um, mm. Are you really here? Are you really thinking about the other people? Are you just on this pursuit to get the fucking young thug feature and you're sad because you can't get it? Hmm. I have no idea what the question was or even if there was one. Talking about death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about death and that made no sense with death. Um, sure it did. Well, 
I, I will say this, but okay, legacy, that's where it's, it ties in. Mm-hmm. At the yeah. end of it, I'm like, I would so much rather have um, my legacy be tied to what I left behind for other people, not just like making sure that like the little white girls upstairs are straight, but like actually like making sure that the community is straight and the people that like inspired me to be the person that I am and the community of hip hop that raised me and making sure that that legacy is passed on to other people that are coming up, particularly people that don't have access to a fucking studio Mm. that whose parents can't be like, Oh, I'm going to buy you the microphone. If you can save up half the money, like I Mm. did. Um, that's really important to me. And we're doing that work. We've been doing that work for a long time, but it could be fucking better. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, I love designing clothes. I love what we're doing with bogey boys, but like it, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get in the podcast. I'm like, yo, it's super important to tap in with the golf community, not just in my own little insular bubble, but be able to to talk to people that are doing interesting shit with the sport. Like we're talking about growing the game. Like you have to show up to grow the game. You can't just grow mm-hmm. the game on your own fucking mm-hmm. laptop with the people that you're trying to figure out how to make a really nice athletic polo with. Um, so mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of death. I absolutely attribute that to legacy. And that comes back to fulfillment of what I actually, what I'm doing with my time on this earth. And I want to leave behind some systems in place that give people um, an outlet, a platform, a sanctuary, whether that's the residency program that we have for the youth um, and growing that, whether that's something with the game of golf, something around recovery mm. and, and drug addiction. Those are all things that I want to do before I die. But if I don't focus, if I don't plan it out and I'm just pursuing the bag or I'm just pursuing like the feature or I'm just pursuing the tour or I'm, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. I'll miss out on those core pieces that I do think I would be fucking bummed if I died and didn't pull off. Wow. Trying to squeeze all the juice out. Got, got, see what can be squoze. Squoze. That's 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 legacy talk. Like um, that that reminds me of this this Wayne quote I saw the other day. He's like, "Man, it takes me like seven weeks to write a verse because I said so much shit." Mm. Right. Like yeah, he's yeah. he's squeezing it yeah, out. Yeah, he's close. Really? That's what he said. Yeah, he was like, "I have to make sure I don't say the same thing twice." You got to make sure he doesn't say the same thing. He's twice. like, "I might plagiarize myself." <laughs> yeah. Right. Damn, that gives me less hope. For the, uh, the Wayne verse, which was second to the thug. Uh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I hope you don't have a deadline. <laughs> Haven't really talked about um, your involvement in the golf space, but I'd love to. A tool. Yeah. Um, I'm fairly tapped in with the golf community. Yeah. And I, Bogey Boys is like, it's it's hot like it's hot to talk about you know like and at times it can be polarizing mm-hmm. and we're we're four straight dudes assuming straight dudes on this pod right now right. bogey boys talks about you know we're talking about the boys talking about the boys and so so much of the conversation in golf is like yeah saturdays we're out with the boys you know playing around the round of golf with the boys i would love to see bogey boys come out with a a, a bogey girls line mm-hmm. A unisex bogey, bogey golfers, bogey them, bogey them, yo, bogey them, bogey him, tore him, <laughs> tore them. <laughs> um, 
what's what's the creative runway there with with bogey boys is there is there a conversation about that yes yes i think the answer is that um you know the clothes are unisex I mean, most clothes are anyway. Right. Like, so I don't, you know, it, it's just the name. I think, you know, we've, we've, t- yes, we've absolutely had the conversation. I think that, you know, if we're talking about like making people, all people feel a part of, then I think it's, you know, if that's off putting to anyone, like I, I get it, you know, like this isn't for me. I'm not a boy, you know, whatever, you know, we're, we're at that day and age where we're really scrutinizing, um, gender which is a great conversation to have you know um so are are you saying is is this why bogey boys is polarizing in terms of uh the the hot conversation or whatever <laughs> yeah but i mean if we're if we're really unpacking it like clothes are unisex it, like gay black men drive the culture and trends in fashion period 100%. so Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at the end of the day it doesn't really matter but the conversation most are having is about the name but thank you for clearing that up yeah i mean i think you know the name came i mean in a way it was very similar to um you know more thought than than actually my stage name but it, it came from just <laughs> fucking around one day on a golf course They're like hey we're mm-hmm. bogey boys like hey bogey's mm-hmm. a new par you know we're just fucking around making up shit and um and fast forward till now it's like yeah this is a big part of my of my life and and a fantastic Mm -hmm. um creative outlet like i always wanted to design clothes outside of just designing clothes in the um in the merch space you know i wanted to make something like i'm never going to wear you know my fucking stage name on my chest like (laughs) i would just never do that (laughs) but like i love making golf clothes where i'm like this is something that i don't see and I, and I love this piece and, um, and there's a lane for it. And I quickly, um, after starting to play, I'm like, man, like I hate going into dick sporting goods and trying to put together a fit. Sucks. That's cause you it can't sucks. look like a two pack of ass. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. <laughs> and like, and going into most pro shops, it's like this, this is tough. And you, you look at the players on the PGA tour and like, you know, I speak I, on it. I got a lot of respect, of course, for anyone that's ever made it to, a, you know, fucking any tour. Sure. Um, but what they're kind of like boxed in to have to wear and what they're given to wear. Yeah. What they're given to wear. Um, I'm not inspired by it. I'm yeah. not inspired by it. And, you know, that's no shade to anyone. I've, I've since become cool with the, a lot of people in the golf apparel space it's no shade to anyone specifically who's outfitting a pga tour pro um but you're also having to like you know at the at the end of it it's a business it's like it's you know mm-hmm. and if you're looking at golf as a whole the real estate agent 33 year old white guy that you know is like you know playing the game that makes up the majority of the game whatever or like the old, the older dude who's played as whatever the situation is like, it's been, uh, for the most part, a sport that has catered to a certain type of person. Republicans buy sneakers too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And, um, so if you're trying to sell in your bottom line is like, you know, we're trying to make money here. 
then I get it. There's a reason why you go to websites and you're like, God damn, I can't, I would love to spend some money on the internet right now, but I can't find mm-hmm. a polo that, mm-hmm. that's, that's worth, you know, 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love the design process of it. And, um, and it's just been hella fun and it's been hella fun to, um, to get to see the reaction of people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's one of those things that I feel like if I didn't have a big family and a rap career and actually just like the game of golf that I like to play more than anything, I could really like really kill it with bogey boys. It's already, it's, we know you could, it's, it's, it's already, you're already killing it. It's already there. And, and we, and we are, but I'm like, I'm like, I see, I see the potential of it. And I appreciate that. And, but I do see the potential of it, but it's just hard. Right. It's, it's hard to juggle it. Like, you know, this shit takes a lot of time. Like these totally. companies have like big ass teams, you know, of, of yeah. fucking 10, 15, 20, 50, who knows how many people designing clothes, you know, producing clothes, manufacturing it, sampling it overseas, waiting for it to come back. Like I didn't know all the moving parts of it until we got into the trenches. And it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is a job. Mm-hmm. And everyone mm-hmm. on my squad already is wearing four different hats. Right. But you already are killing it. And I think simply because you, Ben, and, and actually even more importantly, you, Macklemore, at the level that you are at, are showing people that they can wear whatever they fuck they want to wear when they play golf. Yeah. And that is offering an alternative that unless you're in this like weird little Instagram hipster golf community that we, the three of us are sort of nebulously in, you might not know, you might not have the, yeah. the, the education to be like, Oh, wait a second. I don't have to look like, you know, call center chic. Every time I go to the fucking uni, <laughs> I don't have to wear my dry fit moisture wicking polo. Every time I go to the driving range. Yeah. What? And that's that is an act of service. Amen. Um, <laughs> so I guess if there is a question there, it's like we talked about legacy. But what do you what do you feel your responsibility is in golf? I want to introduce the game to as many people as I possibly can. I want to shift that narrative, that archetype that I just described where like by the time I'm dead and it's, this has nothing to do with me. It's more just like, I want to be a part of it. Um, none of this is like, I mean, let me show here. This white guy is a good white guy. I'm going to show that like, we need to grow. it's like, no, it's not that. It's more like, how do we shift the, how, how do we open up the seats at the table? You know, I think it's really easy to be like, Hey, call up the black homie and put him in a polo and be like, look, we're mm-hmm. growing the game. It's like, no, that, that is you're you're just using black people still like that. That's not growing. We the game. see right through that shit. Let me just yeah, tell absolutely. you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, OK. And you watch it with the fucking PGA. You watch the 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 black history month that fucking spikes for the, the month of February. And then it goes back, you know, and you're like, oh, man, we, we can is... tell you some stories <laughs> offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah this is tough to watch. And like it's more like, OK, and this goes for not just golf. This is we're talking about like we're talking about. Uh, opening up the seats at the table and not just like how we can use people of color to appear a certain way or to appear that we care. Um, We're talking about actually like, yo, we want to grow this from 
from the top. So the people that are in positions of power, we need to leverage that power so that we all have these choices. We all have that decisions. We need to bring people up. It's like Virgil had some sort of quote that was like, um, you know, if, if you're blessed and privileged enough to get to the top, uh, to get to the penthouse, you better send the elevator back down and make mm-hmm. sure that you bring those motherfuckers up from the bottom. And to me, again, talking about legacy or talking about growing the game, how are we making sure that golf is hell expensive? Like golf is dumb expensive. How are we like even going to Muni? It's like, damn, it's like for a junior rate or whatever, it's like it's still 18 bucks and I still got to have a golf club and I'm still about to go spray some golf balls because I've never had money to pay for lessons. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden I'm out 50, 50 bucks for five hours and you don't have any money. So how do we offset that? And I think that there's obviously great organizations that are that are doing the work that have been doing the work for a long time to grow the game. And um, and I think it's dope. You know, I was talking to Cameron Champ's dad, what him and Cameron are doing. You know, I know they brought Q out before. Um, there's people that are trying to bring. Go- I mean, they, I th- I'm pretty sure they were in South Central. Like they were, you know, they're trying yeah. to grow the game in areas that have never seen anyone play golf before or like, you know, at best, it's just driving by. But actually like, yo come to the range, hit a bucket of balls. And I guarantee you, once you hit one remotely pure, you're going to be hooked. And mm-hmm. once we get you to that point, then come on, let's go. We got you. And, mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about, you know, greens fees and, and, and figuring out how to get a set of clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connor, I love, I love how you um, brought all that back to service because Ben, I've heard you say, you know, you are a guest in the house of hip hop and it looks hmm. different in golf. You look like m- what most people who in who are in golf, you know, feel comfortable around it. Right. But you bring something with that, like you, you bring the hip hop with you too, wherever mm-hmm. you go. So mm-hmm. when I hear you saying, you know, you're, you're looking at the, the upper levels and you're, you're looking at how accessible we can make it at that level. Um, when Connor asked the question, you know, what, uh, I forget exactly how you, how you word it. Um, what is your responsibility to golf or what mm-hmm. I, I see that in what you're doing and I appreciate it because what there may not be those that understand everything on the music side they may not understand what's going on with the fashion and the golf and the clothing side, but you have a purpose and you have an intention and that's clear. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that we unpacked that. And with that, <laughs> I think it's time to get into some meat and potatoes. I hope to see you at Pebble beach, uh, pro-am next year, every year until they kick me out. Good. That is blocked on the calendar forever until they they don't give me the invite so so you win you win 2023 you're hosting the dinner the championship dinner for next year you're inviting q you're inviting alfonso ribeiro you're inviting patrick mahomes (laughs) you're inviting group golf therapy and we're all at your dinner table what are you serving us what's on the menu oh man well my favorite meal is chicken and waffles Come on. Come on. Candy DMs. Maybe just some steamed broccoli. Just because we As a side with all that? A, you have to have a green. Okay. Um, just because you have to, I guess. <laughs> but you don't really eat Yeah, you, you don't have, you don't you have just, to. Um, it's just there. 
basically i'm just gonna kind of like replicate the carol c special at roscoe's yes and um Mm. that's my that's my meal that's my meal i mean you could you know some biscuits in there that's that's my favorite that's Mm. what we're serving that's what you know that's a that's a celebration that's that's, that is a celebration that's a win that's a champion's dinner yeah yeah Mm. speaking of that are you gonna be at augusta this year no no which just kind of like dawned on me like but he might be in atlanta hey 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 you know what (laughs) that's a great idea yo roll through yo i'm just asking because i'm gonna be there for the first time ever wow that's amazing have you guys been no has everyone been no connor's god no just connor connor's doing it i've never been before this is the first time bro when i walked out the area where they let us in and for one augusta is is huge it's fucking big like there's a reason why there's like you know a hundred thousand people that can like attend this tournament or whatever like it's massive um and when i walked out little amen corner hole 13 and i was just kind of like in my zone i wasn't you know i was just thinking you know I got goosebumps just even talking about it. I'm walking out and I hit that little, that little right with my eyes and I saw all the flowers. Mm. I'm talking about colors that you didn't even know were colors. Mm. A vibrancy, a saturation that you didn't even know existed. Grass, that grass. Like it was like this plush carpet of perfectly manicured grass. Like I'm not talking about like, oh, I went to a really nice country club that my like homie belongs to and like, yo, it was crazy. Like, you know, no, no, not that type of grass. I'm talking about grass that you have not seen before. At least me. I hadn't seen it. Oh wow. my God. And that's coming and, from the PNW, famously green. Famously green. This is different. This was like, they don't let a motherfucker walk on this grass vibe. Earth had her titties out that day. Yes, yes, that shit, that shit, and uh, and then this was last year, so this was the COVID year, and this is twenty, this is at at twenty five percent capacity. I don't know if we'll, ho- hopefully we never go back to that, but I'm glad that I got to watch the Masters in person at twenty five percent capacity. It's probably shit, the purest experience bro. you could get at the Masters right now. Yeah, I mean, besides Tiger yeah. playing, he wasn't playing. But right, right. outside of that, wow! I mean, you're just right. You're right there. You get to be wherever you want to be and see everything. I'm, I'm glad we. I'm glad we recorded that because that was awesome. that was beautiful. That's different. that's like, uh, yeah, yeah, meditate to that. That was that was amazing. Mm, Got to put that in, put that in a song. You're gonna have a great time. Put that in a put that on a shirt on on the sensory experience wavelength. What are some of your favorite golf smells? I'm trying to think of an answer that's not grass mm. i don't have one we're developing candles by the way are you yeah 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 that's fire i love that when you hit like the tea box on one and you get that little breeze and you smell that freshly cut grass i don't know if there's a better smell and you got 18 in front of you mm. who knows who you're gonna be that day who knows who's showing up? All yeah. the possibilities. Yeah. God. God. Who are you going to be that day? Let me just be here right now. Let me just swing this club. 
Are you guys all uh, really good at golf? No, we're terrible. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's everyone's handicap? We're fine. Uh, um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't keep five, one. Five, five, five. Seven, six, seven. Yeah. Um. You and you and I would would hang out together. I'm around a ten. Mm-hmm. We all played. We all played D three in in college, but like not like, saying much at all. <laughs> like Lewis and Clark. You know. Like you know. It's like. Nah, nah. There's no athletic program. We're like the fifth man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the time on the golf course where you have laughed the absolute hardest? You know, we were in uh in Norway and um found a course, public course, tucked off in the hills of Norway. And I don't know, we were in some cutty little little town playing a festival. This is the first year, this is my year one of playing golf. So, I mean, it hasn't stopped. Like the obsession hasn't stopped. But at this point, I'm like, yo, I'm every day I'm waking up right away. And the first thing I'm doing is finding a golf course. I've mm-hmm. already found it the night before, but like I'm going to go play. So I find this golf course, play 18. Beautiful day, get paired up with two like Norwegian men. I'm like, I'm not like. I'm I'm an introvert to the point of the you know if I if I can choose like me and my homie or like me and two random dudes with the homie like I'm definitely like let's keep it the twosome I don't need to play with strangers this was like a Saturday they're like you're going out with these two randos and immediately I'm like you know become best friends the Norwegian dudes are super cool we're all spraying the ball everywhere it's fantastic finish the round I have a show I have a festival and I play the festival. It's like an early festival. I go on at like seven. I have an hour set, seven to eight. Finish a set, immediately I'm like, yo, we got to go back. Now, granted, this is Norway. Sun is not set until like midnight Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. this point in the summertime. We strike back to the golf course, and we get in um, another 18, or just about Mm. on the 17th hole, the homie, the other two guys are with the homies. Golf cart dies, and it's pitch black dark at this point. Like just p- off of pure like delirious. Like I've just played thirty six holes. It's midnight. I've just done a festival. Um, just it's just all uncontrollable feel. laughter as this golf cart is dying, and we have like a good probably like two full holes to push oh, a golf cart wow. in <laughs> no. the pitch black dark. In At least Norway. you brought it back, though. Damn. Hey, we brought it back, man. You, you got to bring it back, you know. Um, wow. But that was just one of those golf moments where I'm like, this game has got me. For real. <laughs> wow. That was year one. That was year one. That was like month seven. Oh, my goodness. Wow. When, uh, when was that? When, when did the, oh, when did the golf it. bug bite, bite you? Right away, I got dragged out day after Thanksgiving. We were in Hawaii. I, I found a fairway bunker. You know, I had been spraying the ball all over. I'd hit multiple houses, like the whole shit. I'm like, I'm going to get sued. You know, this game's trash. But like, let's keep playing. So I was trying to beat my brother. He, he, he said that he was a bogey golfer. Motherfucker has not shot bogey ever. But, um, you know, I, I find a fairway bunker and, and grab the five iron and I just pured it. And it was mm-hmm. like, boom. What is that feeling? What was that? And I want that again Mm. and again and again and again. It was just that like, 
it was that moment. It was a wrap. I was like, I'm, I'm going to fucking dick sporting goods or whatever it was. And I'm buying like the first set of clubs that I possibly can. Yes. Uh, there's something that, um, that, that seems serendipitous in your investment in five iron golf facility now. Uh, yeah. Right. And I fucking true. hate five irons. Like the actual club, like I can't. Sam, I took mine out shit. the bag. Yeah, me Sam. too. I, I put like it, it back in for like punching out, but then I got a two iron. I'm like, yo, the five can go. Yeah, I don't yeah. play with a five iron. I can't hit a five iron. Nor I. It's weird. Both you guys same. Uh, yeah, I I don't play with a five iron either. Neither. That's crazy. Usually people are like, oh, I no, love my five. Nobody loves their five. Yeah. No. My four is the ride or die though. Hmm. The four is like that's the utility club. No, I See, I don't have a four. I hesitate to use the word goal, but. Is there anything that you hope for yourself in the coming year with regards to your mental health? Any practices that you want to implement? Any behaviors you want to double down on? Any behaviors you want to roll back? I was really hoping that you were going to be like, your your goal for golf in the next year. <laughs> we can hit um, that too. I'm like, oh, we got to talk about fucking... My own mental health shit. Um, no. um, you know, it could just be like the stress from trying to finish this album. Like finishing an album is horrible. It's like the worst part of mm. that. The creative process, hands down, is finishing. It's like, you know, you're trying to get the last minute features. They're like impossible to track down. You're like, all of a sudden you're like, why? why is this so hard? You know, the self-doubt kicks in. You're like... And then you throw in a pandemic, you're like, yo, we've been camping on so much of this music for way too long. Like this motherfucker would have been out and I wouldn't have had to second guess all this shit mm. had this not have happened. Yada, yada. I don't know if it's just because I'm in that, like the the throes of trying to finish this thing, but I've been fucking angry lately. Like I've been pissed. <laughs> and then it even translates to the golf course. Like I'll be like, I'll I'll hit a bad shot. And I'm not like super vocal, like pissed off golfer guy, like. You know, I can turn it over pretty quick, but like, I it, usually that's my sanctuary. I, I say the golf thing because like, usually I'm out there and I'm like, okay, I'm letting all the music shit go, and I'll be out yeah. there and I'm like, I'm still fucking pissed. Mm. Um, so I need to kind of address that. I don't know what that what that is exactly. I think that a cool answer would be like, oh, I would love to like up my meditation practice, but like, bro, I got so many kids. <laughs> this is not gonna happen. It's just, it's not, it's just not realistic. No, that's, that's, yes, that's the cool answer. Yes, honestly. it is. I just, I, I would love to continue. I think for me, um, you know, working recovery, hmm. finishing, um, finishing the 12 steps that I'm working on mm -hmm. currently would be a fantastic goal for my mental health. Yeah. Um, you working your steps right now pretty hard? No, no. But I need to tie back in because I'm fucking... Hmm really mad at everybody mm -hmm. so yes mm -hmm. i should be mm -hmm. um so i think that that would be a good goal for the next year and in terms of golf <laughs> man i'm trying to touch that single digit handicap mm -hmm. but i'm not that good yet and even my like 10 6 or whatever it's at like i'm taking gimmies man i'm taking sure. fucking breakfast sure. balls like it's not really real because <laughs> then you go out to like Handicaps like we just play are a construct, right? We just, we, we just play like lenient golf rules yeah. and, and it really, the ball really is plugging up here. Like most oh, yeah. of the year. So like, 
yes. the winter rules are real. But then all of a sudden you're like, well, if I moved it like six more inches over from my allotted six inches, like I'd actually be able to maybe get to the, you know, we just finesse the shit, man. Like I, I'm, I'm a trash golfer. I'm finessing, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Like I'm just doing the best I can. But all of a sudden I have this handicap that's definitely better than I actually am. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm playing to probably more like, you know, who knows what. But I would still, there's been moments of my golf career where I'm like, bro, if I could just like, you know, if I just would have made those two putts, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm back in the 70s. If I do it a couple times, if I just touch that nine, be a nine, mm-hmm. nine, I don't care. But if I could get down there, you know, that would be something. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. Last time I said this out loud, I was doing a, a photo shoot for Men's Health, which was a very comical experience um, on every level. <laughs> but I went out with like a golf a golf trainer who's like a, a, a dude in the industry. And he was like, he was like, you know, what are your goals or whatever? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to get to a single digit by the end of the summer. And he was like, this summer? Thanks. <laughs> But like, wasn't like, but was like, like dead ass. Just like, yo, you have a long way to go. So, you know, you got to set those goals though. You know what I'm saying? He's like, you see see that with that midsection? (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Exactly what it was. With that thickening middle. Um, You know what I, you know what I love about the the handicap system though, is that like, it's your potential. Right. You know, it's not like, it's not like what your average is. Not at all. Absolutely. It's, it's who are you on your good day? And I feel like that is such a, a weird, like for golf, for golf. Yeah. That's such a weirdly optimistic way to score the game. Completely. The <laughs> handicap system it. is crazy. And people don't really it. understand that. I'm like, yo, I don't shoot fucking 10 strokes over every time I play. Like right. if I do that, like I balled out of control. Have I done right. it a, a good handful of times? Absolutely. And have I also taken some gimmies from the homies? Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. But of course. Well, I had I didn't have a meat and potatoes question. I was I was actually more so curious as as you're in the the album grind mode or have been for a while, has your love and um grinding with golf, has that had any sort of impact or affected the way that you've approached your music? Well, I think one way to answer that question is yes, because I don't want to be in the studio as much as I used to want to Mm -hmm. be. But I think also like part of it goes back to like what you were saying about Wayne. I've been rapping since I was 15 years old. That's a really long time to be writing raps. And and I've rhymed all like you've I've been rhyming for fucking ever. I've rhymed all the words, Mm -hmm. all the Mm -hmm. fucking words have been rhymed like, you know, I can immediately go through the fucking mental Rolodex of what rhymes with what. Like, I know what words are immediately like get you back to a corner, you know, like and there's days where I'm writing and I'm like, I can't believe I'm still doing this shit. Like, this is crazy <laughs> that I'm still rhyming words like and it's been so long. Like, um, and I still I still really enjoy it. I still really do. But like, it's not yeah. the same. It's not. It, I. It, you look at like. You look at the the fucking greats, like everyone slows down at a certain extent. Like, you know, what Andre has said about hip hop makes mm. no sense to me in terms of where he's at in his career. And he's like, this is like a young dude's game. Like even like where hip hop comes from, like the hip young cat, like mm-hmm. that's where this is derivative from. Like 
Um, and you hit a certain point. It's like, it's like, I'm not youth culture anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I got three kids. My dog just got neutered. Like that's some grown man <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I had the foresight to get that motherfucker's balls chopped off. Like poor guy. Yeah. I scheduled it, you know? <laughs> um, so then I think about, you know, and then you look at like what's popping on the fucking internet and you know, whatnot. And like, at times I'm like, yo, am I like turning into that? Like, you know, that bitter guy that's like, man, but you don't remember what it was like in the 90, mm. you know, whatever. And mm. like, I never want to be that dude. Like I listened to a lot of shit that came out fucking yesterday, but mm. I do think that, um, I don't know, there's, there's something and I'm forgetting your question, but like, oh, the, the, yeah, the, the golf in the studio. I, I do think that there's some sort of pivot that is naturally happening and going to happen. And I'm real, I feel really lucky that I found something that I'm super passionate about right now. And that's bogey boys. And that's the game. Um, and everything that I can do with both of it, that is like a natural pivot where it's not like all of a sudden, you know, you get cut from the team and you're like, fuck, now I gotta like sell real estate, Mm. I guess, like, (laughs) Mm. or whatever, Mm. you know, in no shade, I, I got a lot of homies that played in the league that sell real estate right now. Or like, you oh, know, hell yeah. like, that's great. But like, that's not, they're not passionate about that. They're just like, oh, or what do I do? You right. know, what's the pivot? And I think that the pivot for me has been happening slowly. So who knows, who knows what's what, you know, I still feel young. You know, that's why I was like, I identify with the 17 year old. I still feel like that motherfucker. In terms of your actual question, I think that at times in the studio, I'm just like, damn. Like it's fucking fifty-seven degrees outside and it's kind of sunny. Shit Let's get out there. Looks three like holes it's right now. Three holes. Yeah. Three quick ones. Three holes. Yeah. Just three. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Let's 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 end it here, Ben. You're a you're a wordsman, a wordsmith. What are one or two words that you would use to describe this session that we have spent together? I learned a word tonight. I even true. I forgot it. That's huge. It started In with part, the e. In- in part. Right. In part? Is it I? So it's an I. I. Yeah. Fuck. See, I can't <laughs> even spell. <laughs> Could never spell. Um, I mean, I don't know about a couple words, but I, I will say that it has been very nice. Um, very nice. It's very nice talking with you guys. And you're good mm-hmm. people. And um, that was the vibe. That's why I wanted to do the show. I'm like, these guys just seem like good people. They seem like... It seems like a great force. Absolutely. I hope we can make it happen. Seems like some guys I would like to play. I would like to play golf with. I don't know. I think whenever you get to talk about the quests, the process, the the intricacies of this human experience, these these finite little moments of time that we get to spend together, I think um, there's something about the therapeutic value of one golfer to another, getting to share their experience that I find very fascinating. This is a lot more than two (laughs) words. You know, like when you meet a golfer and you're like, yo, and you start talking about golf and I'm like, you know, oh, I'm working on, you know, like with your wrist when you come down and you got to come from the inside and, you know, I'm trying to compress the ball and you go back and forth and you just tell like what you're working on or like, you know, what you did last round or like you were on 18 and you were about to break 85 or, you know, you never had. And then you three, but you know, all of those things. It, I, I think that this has been therapeutic and, you know, sorry to take like a, the, the name 
of the podcast and add a couple more syllables and flip it. But like, it's been therapeutic. It's therapeutic to talk about life with some other men, with some boys, mm-hmm. with some fucking boys. Yeah. No, but with no, but with anybody, mm. bogey anybody, um, <laughs> it's down to go there and unpack the shit. So I commend you guys for doing some shit where people can get honest and and tell their truth. Because when you get honest and you get vulnerable, it opens up other people to be honest and vulnerable. And that shit is contagious. Well said. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, we appreciate that. We're we're cracking the club. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I got a lot out of it. Thank you guys for the invite, man. I need a hat, too.